Hello, everyone. Welcome back. It's Julie Bates with the podcast Training the Pointing Labrador, episode number 174. Today's episode, after a brief and not terribly exciting G update, will be a discussion about a presentation about uh, keeping your dog training in context uh, for your dog. In In other words, making it make sense to them, whatever it is you're doing. So on the G update, uh, it's gotten cold here. So it's very, very energetic whenever we go out and do anything. But we are going to pull uh, back out of the upland field for a little bit more because she's pointing really well. But the minute you get up there, and she's very competitive, and I've been really working the wool stuff with her, boy, that is not in her mind at all. Or her sisters either, frankly. And so when they get some kind of push from either bird movement or human movement toward them, she's off. Now, once it's up, they're both de-chased. So they stand there and watch it fly away. So I have that thing that I've had with a number of dogs where they point like supremely well as little puppies. But when they have done a lot of marks and they know what the game is, boy, I'll tell you, even, you know, I thought I had a wall where I could do work, do it with them. Not really. So again, we're, I'm going to pull back out of the upland field for a little while probably do a much more uh, thorough and intense, I guess, well, enough that the desire to go after that bird is overtaken by the reminder of what it means that you can't move once you've established a good point. So other than that, the blinds are better and better all the time. She's lined a few more now when we kind of get a good initial line. Uh, Marks are good, starting to run multiples and stuff. Again, I don't I want extremely good marking and extremely good retrieving mechanics before I want them to count to one or two or three. And then there's a whole lot more than that than just what they can count. But so she's doing, she's doing fine. She's still a sturdy girl. And uh, so I'll just keep everybody abreast of that. It'll be interesting to see how we get out of this, how we get into the staunchness. Because as soon as the season starts up again early next year, now I, I'm hopeful to go into the master level with her. But right now, <laughs> we would not make it. So that's the G update. Now, the discussion on keeping training in context it probably sounds kind of odd. But I've seen so many times well-intentioned people love their dogs, love what they're doing. And they have things don't work out as well as they would like or they've seen for others. And a lot of times it's hard to pinpoint exactly what that is. And I think a mistake that a lot of us make when we train dogs is... We are doing it from our own perspective. And uh, for example, just to give you an example of what I'm talking about, a lot of people have fallen into this. They buy a hunting dog. Well, I don't care what breed it is, a German Shorthair, a Wiesla. You know, they buy a Retriever, a Toller. They get a dog that's a hunting dog, right? And so it, it's for hunting. And they have it as a pet and a dog, and they, you know, take it on walks, and they go hiking and all this stuff. And then they go out into the field. And they want the dog to hunt because when they walk out into the field, well, <clears throat> they know that they're hunting and they have their gun and they know their birds are at that, out there and they've, because they've hunted before or they've hunted with someone else or they saw it on TV or something. But when the person is going out there, even the very first time, they have some context for what's happening. This is a big field. It's not a parking lot. It's not right by, it's not a golf course. There are supposedly game birds in this field. 
and they hide because they don't want anybody to find them. And then we find them, either ourselves or with dogs, and then we try to shoot them. And then most of the breeds of dogs we have will go get them and bring them back to us. So that's all in, in our mind. That's how this works. If someone had taken you and you'd done nothing but been at home, gone to school, come home, gone to the store, never done much, gone to the park, and somebody goes, hey, let's go hunting, and hands you this big metal thing and says, let's go out in the field, right? You would have no clue what are we doing. Why are we in this field? I don't understand. Why are we, they would, there would be no context for it, right? So before you do any of that, you have to have a fairly good understanding of what the situation is. That, that there are birds and that this is how they, where they hide and where they live and where they nest and a whole lot of stuff. But people do not make any assumption for that on their dog. Now, there's going to be a couple of you listening to me who took their dog cold out into a field or a duck hunt or whatever it was. And the dog, I, you know, I, have a hard time, I haven't seen this myself, okay, but I'm sure somebody goes, oh, old Fang did. He just went out there, started looking around, found him, brought him up for us, and we shot him. He brought him right back to us. And I'm sure there are some small number of circumstances where that's happened. In general, dogs have no context, right, for going out into a field. They don't know that they're, they don't even know what a game bird is. If they've, they may not know what a bird is other than Tweety's in the backyard torturing them. They don't know what that is. They may, if they haven't ever heard a gun, and banging pots and pans and having them parked in your car at the gun range does not teach them what a gun is. It merely teaches them that there's weird, loud noisings, noises sometimes, but nothing bad happens to you. So if, unless it's too annoying, it, it, it doesn't really bother you. That's, that's all that does. So they don't know what guns are for. They don't know about using their nose and their eyes and their other dog senses. They don't know about any of that. And again, so what some people like to do when a dog has no context is put it with another dog who does. And again, there's going to be somebody, an excellent hunting dog, who learned how to hunt that way. I realize that. I still have never seen that. Because when I see an uh, inexperienced dog go out in the field with another dog, they're just chasing a dog through the field. I don't know that they're assimilating everything we think they are. And a lot of you do that very much, then they go follow, they learn, follow a dog, and he'll go find this bird, and then you run in there and grab that thing or, or flush it up, and then it'll fly, and then somebody shoots it, and then that dog knows how to go look for it and find it, and when he comes back, grab it and see if you can take it from him. That's what they learn hunting is. And, you know, there's very few of us that really want that set of characteristics on our hunting dog. So in general, dogs do not have context for upland hunting. They don't have context for sitting in a blind and then guns are shooting over your head and then you're supposed to go out in the water and you're just like, I haven't seen anything. I don't even know. And, and if they haven't ever had guns shot around them with no context, they're not seeing ducks flying in and things dropping. It could be, you know, it could make them afraid. It can make them noisy. It can make them crazy because they don't understand the entire thing. So teaching a dog piece by piece what their job is would put all of those things into context. But this concept goes with many, many other things we do. And I'll just give an example of obedience and force fetch. 
So what happens many times when you go quite a while, you get a little puppy, they're, they're little, they're cute, you know, and they follow you around and they do stuff and you're not worried about them. So you don't spend too much time teaching them anything. Just enjoying them and they'll chase a ball in the backyard. And then somehow you've been inspired by uh, someone or seen something or just decided, yeah, it's time I do some obedience on this dog. So this dog who from the beginning of its existence has known nothing but complete physical freedom. It's, it's you know, other unless you pick it up and put it in a crate or put it in a vehicle or put it somewhere, it basically has full physical freedom. And depending on how long you wait for that, the more ingrained the physical freedom is. So if you, uh, you know, now we're going to get on our, like, you know, I can't imagine going from physical freedom to prong collar or electric collar. That, that's just abuse in my mind. But you go on to your, and a flat collar is not a good teaching thing. It's just functional. I am, you're attached to me by a leash. But because there's no enforcement, you know, it's just a big thing that doesn't really do anything to you. That, so for me, it's a choke chain that I use. I don't use uh, prong collars. Maybe when I'm an old lady, I will. I don't know. But so when you put on this, this choke chain and a leash, and now all of a sudden you take away physical freedom. So we're thinking, okay, I'm now going to teach you heal and set. The dog is going, oh, my God, I'm trapped. And it doesn't make sense to him. So I'm just saying the obedience training uh, can be approached completely out of context. So we all know what we're thinking when we do that. But the dog is sitting there again. They've had physical freedom, freedom of movement. You've been just friendly and wonderful and the life has been warm and rosy. And now all of a sudden we have this thing on and I'm supposed to do all this stuff. And it doesn't even, I don't know why. It makes no sense to me. And you're jerking me around and pushing me down and you're doing all that. I don't eat, you know. And it's again, some dogs kind of go, well, okay. And then they do what you want. And others are just like, what the heck is this? Because they have no context for it. And just like with you and me, teaching anybody anything with no context for why you have to do it is far more difficult than teaching somebody, hey, if you learn how to do this particular skill, somebody's going to pay you $100 an hour to do it. You, you got, I'm in, man. <laughs> I'm all in. And it's the same thing with the dogs. If you begin to teach them, we're going to do some things and I'm going to change some stuff with you and ask more of you. There's always a good reason for it. And we don't just go from black to white. We don't go to how total physical freedom to absolutely no physical freedom you must walk next to me and sit and go my speed and do everything so that can make dog obedience very difficult another one is for us you know retrieving people is the force fetch I, you know i've had a bunch of my clients that oh i don't never want to see that it's like i'll send you videos <laughs> it's no it's not that bad but there has to be context for it. If you just go, all right, dog, today I'm going to jam this bumper in your mouth and you're just going to hold on to it, and, <laughs> and I, period. And then, uh, or you start, well, however you force fetch, ear pinch, I hope not electric collar, but, you know, you start mechanical means of force fetch, just, and they're like, oh, my gosh, I'm an ear pincher, right? So if I just started pinching a dog's ear and jamming stuff in their mouth, I mean, it's just like, what happened? Now all of a sudden I'm just getting pounded on and there's no context. They don't know why and they don't like it. And it's, matter of fact, they might hate it. 
because it makes no sense and it's not very nice. But the worst part of that isn't that you're pinching their ear or doing something. It's because they have no idea why this is happening. And it's so much easier to teach a dog anything, including uh, pile work, including blind retrieves, including, you know, wool. Man, wool makes no sense to dogs. You know, it's like, what do you mean stand still? There's a bird right there. So if you just shove it down their throat with no context, one, you tend to create uh, some internal resistance or a lot of resistance. You can create resentment. So they see you coming and going, oh, no, not more training. Oh, no. Or whatever it is you start to present as you go through increasing skills, they get more resistant, more resentful, because it's just more and worse than what you already did. That can be many times, particularly on those little nitpicky things, you know, like obedience or like force fetch or like woe. If, if, if you kind of make it like a, you know, barroom thing, like you're going to do this or else, you know, again, some dogs, that, that's fine. They go along with that. Other dogs, uh, some dogs do respond to that. All right. And others are like, holy cow, what happened? <laughs> I don't like this. I thought I really liked you. I'm not so sure right now. And then more problems get created. You know, if you just start doing the bumper stuff on hold and force fetch with a dog, a little bit out of context, they're going to go, I'll never retrieve that thing again. You know, I get that a little bit sometimes with some dogs I do that I don't know whether I went a little too fast or what, but, you know, we're doing the force fetch and they used to retrieve and now I throw it and they're going, Mom, I'm not even touching that thing. <laughs> Every time that thing is around, all kind of stuff I don't like happens to me. So, again, when there's no context for this stuff, it can make it very difficult. And absolutely going hunting. I absolutely, there's so many, and I, let's use Upland because it's, you know, Upland season is, is coming soon, or, or no, it's already going on. Well, how, how many things can be out of context there? So we want a dog to go on the Upland field with us. We want them to hunt for us, not themselves. Okay, that's one thing they need to understand. We need to have them look for birds who are, can be very crafty about remaining unseen or unfound. They do a lot of things that way. They need to learn about scent, fresh scent, moving scent, older scent. They need to understand that stuff so that they actually locate where a bird really is, not where one spent the night. They have to stay in a working range with us. Even young pointing dogs can't be out too far because you can't control anything that's happening. You know, and certainly flushing dogs have to be kept in gun range. Otherwise, you just watch birds fly away. So they have to know that. Okay, that's already a bunch of stuff. And then, for, remember me and the safety, you know, I think they need to know they can't chase anything that flies unless it's dropped, shot and dropped. So that, you know, keeps somebody from shooting your dog. That's another thing. Then they have to know that if that thing landed in the middle of a steep, of a deep bed of cattails, that they got to get in there and bring it out, duck or pheasant. They got to get in there, find it, and it's going to be hard to find and come out. All of those things are something that that dog needs to have a, at least a certain skill level at so that this hunting trip 
is affected. So birds aren't just flushed out of the field by a wild dog, that the people hunting with you don't can't stand you and make sure they do not invite you again next year because your dog is everywhere. The screaming, the yelling, can't do that with wild birds. Shouldn't ever have to do it at all, no matter what. That you get all your downed game and that you do find the birds that are there to find. And maybe even that everybody enjoys it. And if there's several dogs, they hunt independently of each other, they don't interfere with each other, and there's no competition. They need to learn that one. They don't just come out of the, out of the barrel knowing that kind of thing. So before you go upland hunting, all those things need to be at least somewhat understood and somewhat experienced by the dog. When you go train on those things individually, running mark retrieves, throwing birds in places that are where they got to really work to dig it out, teaching them how to move through a field remaining in gun range, teaching them not to chase them. All of that stuff can be done before you go hunting. And then when you go hunting, at least you have the understanding on the part of the dog so that you can use your tools of control. And you guys are both on the same side of the field in this day, you're both going for the same goal. And that's, that's very important. And it's not, it's not almost ever the dog's fault. It's because somebody just took this dog out there with no context for what's happening and then being upset and disappointed. So now if you take this dog out there and they don't really know what they're doing and then you're mad, that makes that place even worse. I mean, they won't even want to, I'm not going to go out there. He's mad all the time. So it's, it's a lose-lose situation, and same in uh, waterfowl stuff. In a, you know, don't teach a dog to get into a lay-down blind before you need them to get in a lay-down blind. Otherwise, you're going to be fighting kennel, something fierce, and make noise, and nothing's going to land anywhere near you. So make sure that if you're going to be hunting in a kind of a blind where they can't see stuff, then you have to make sure that they are, have experienced that before. Make sure if this dog tells you, I like to make a lot of noise if I don't get to do what I want, that you've addressed the make a lot of noise before that. Because they're going to tell you. That if you experience, you know, if you want to like set up an artificial blind situation and shoot and have something go down that they didn't see, right? Okay, practice a little bit of that. And if they start to make noise, you, you know, I attack noise with enforcing sit to get their mind off of their expressing themselves and more on getting their bottom down. But teach them, you got to be quiet, honey. It, this doesn't do any good to have a yowling, howling, screaming dog because he just wants to get out and see stuff. So that's another thing. So you put that in context. When they go in the blind, they're going, ooh, quiet. And that can be done. That, that It can. And all of the other little training things that we're talking about, um, obedience and force touch, the way you get, uh, well, let me finish up on the hunting thing. People love to turn all their dogs out hunting together. Oh, that one drives me nuts. That's as bad as watching a dog chasing a hen pheasant across a field and not coming back. Ah, it's like, why? This, this should never exist. This should never happen. And just turning a bunch of uh, various levels of trained dogs out from finish super cool to I don't have a clue what I'm doing. You know, then the, the super, the Finnish guy that knows all the rules and is playing by the rules has some little whippersnapper come over there and bust his bird up or try to grab it out of his mouth. Many bad things can happen from that. One, the older dog might just teach the young dog a lesson, which I don't know about you, but that's vet bills and stuff. You might not want that. 
or you're going to teach the young dog it is just a big free-for-all and some dogs you can bully and get their birds and others you can't and you just run around crazy and everyone drinks beer and having a good time that's there's no need for that you and your dog alone should be able to hunt extremely well clearly understood totally in context before you introduce other things because then you'll still be having your we're hunting together and this is what we do so that's you know out of context take a new dog a lot of dogs that just pretty much means party I'm sure there's exceptions but pretty much that's what it means and when we're talking about more of the basic fundamental training that I've talked about um, you know the the basic obedience and the force fetch which is obedience then hold then reach for it then reach for it further away from you etc when you do all that which some people are just very just really fear that and you know you probably should fear that if you have no preparation coming into it but to go into taking away dogs physical freedom taking away their range of motion teaching them to do things which are very unnatural like walk at your speed when they want to be running around or sitting down whenever you tell them or holding this weird thing in their mouth as long as you ask them to and then to hold this weird thing in their mouth carrying it around um, and I don't choose things so that they are more desirable or anything else it's like when I put this in your mouth I don't want you to decide whether you like it or not I just want you to hold it but before you do that with a dog if you have prepared them mentally to have some of their behaviors altered trimmed up a little bit and that when that happens it's it's always ultimately there's a good reason for it so let's let me use an example let's go let's talk about the very first thing we really start on these guys and that's basic obedience that means heel means be at my side walk with me when I walk sit when I sit pretty soon go backwards if I go backwards do whatever I do whenever I call you with whatever word I use you come directly to me and either sit in front of me or heel over to the side before you just boom start all that stuff because there's so much more to the dog in all of that than to you make sure that they have already been physically limited for example make sure that they do go in a crate sometimes so that sometimes they have to just stand somewhere and just be there for a little while that's actually if it's somewhat routine very helpful then what you want to do is I hope anyone listening to this does the walk so if you go out with a walk on a walk and your dog that's where you teach him don't run away from me at some point you can have him draw, draw drag a little skinny cord with him and every now and they can be out there and they're getting somewhere you don't want or you just say you know fang here and then bring them to you with the cord just as a little guy they're not really learning a, the recall there with that but what you've done is you have physically restrained some motion and brought them to you and then loved them up something fierce right so it was pretty good there's a lot of little ways with puppies where you can just begin to physically restrain their their freedom and their motion for a moment or two with a big reward which right now I, I will not use food that's insulting but I you know love up on them and tell them how great they are and then boom okay let's go again so I begin to teach them sometimes I'm gonna ask things of you physically and it's always good and there are many many ways you can do that with a dog if now you're retrieving you know and they say they always went out and brought it back well this time they went out and have no intention of bringing it back you got that little skinny cord 
You walk, don't say a word till you can get to the end of it. Step on it, reel them into you. So you're making them come back to you on a little puppy retrieve. And then love up on them and tell them how great they are with that stuff. So we have, we're beginning to indoctrinate this dog's thinking with life is fun and I do all kinds of fun stuff. But sometimes he says or she says to do something and then I do it. So that begins to be built into their uh, concept of the world around them. And depending on how, that eight, nine weeks, okay, not too much of that, all right? But as they progress towards six months, increasing levels of interaction where you, again, physically restrain them and have them respond to you. You can start obedience early on a dog if it doesn't detract from the retrieving or whatever it is you have them do. You know, if, if you're kind of bumming them out with so much control, then drop the control and go back to the fun stuff. But I would always be raising that control level a little bit, but I would really be acquainting them with the concept that I'm going to ask some things of you and I'm going to not always ask the exact same thing in the exact same way. I'm going to change it. I'm going to make it increasing over time. And it's always ultimately a good thing when you do that, whether the result is loving up on them, if the result is they get a happy retrieve, you know, whatever it is, it dinner, then that suddenly changing their behavior and working with you becomes a positive thing and then something they can anticipate and not fear. And also at an early age, they don't really understand, but they know it's good and you're happy and they can understand how to do it. And then later on, you know, then they, it, they, it makes more sense to them. But before they know stuff, just have them do it and we get into that, boy, I respond and then every, everything is better. That's a awesome, awesome thing. And so on the force fetch deal, where now we're going to put, now we're getting into kind of unnatural stuff where, okay, you're going to sit still. I'm going to put this in your mouth and you're going to hold on to it. Okay, for some dogs, that's a big stretch. For some, not. For some, a big stretch. Therefore, you will want to have asked things of that dog that are somewhat uh, opposed to what they'd really like to do. And there's, I can't, you know, there's so many ways you can do that. Let's just say every time your dog, you open the back door, your dog just busts through your legs and goes out the door. Here's a great place to, I'm going to open the door and you're going to sit. Even on a little puppy, yes, until I say okay or whatever. So I'm already, now that's unnatural. I'm going to teach him, hey, right when you really want to do this, I'm going to have you do the opposite just for 10 seconds. And then you can go outside. And so there's so many ways that you can get them to have to think and do something that they don't really want to do. And, but when they do, then they get to go outside and chase the butterflies around the backyard. There's so many ways where it would just little tiny thoughtful things. You can begin to prepare your puppy for subsequent training that's coming along. And I'm sure as soon as I stop this podcast, I'll think, oh, you should have told them about this way and this thing and all that. There's so many ways to get into the dog's little thinking to just prime them to be really good students so that when you up the level of what you're teaching, you haven't lost them. You know, if you want somebody to go be an astrophysicist, then when you start teaching them math, addition and subtraction, if you make that icky, they may never get anywhere past that astrophysicist out of the question. And nobody knows it because you made addition and subtraction torture for them. But if you had instead made math fun, which yes, it can be 
fun and interesting and kind of challenging and a game. And then when, you know, at the end of that, something really good happened and you got the gold star and oh, and then you like, you just looking forward to the next and the next and the next. It's like that with the dogs. And it isn't the praise that they do it for. It's the challenge and the mastery. And, and so they, it becomes an enticement. They want to go do this. What's going to happen today? And they become more open so that when you get to the hard stuff, the really hard stuff, the force fetch, the pile work, the water swim by, all of that stuff, you don't have any, they're just like, show me, explain it to me, make sure I understand, and I'm going to try. That's a very cool dog. And so much of that comes because you gave them context ahead of time for all of the hard stuff they were going to do. Very true in every kind of hunting. You give them context for the many aspects of that that they're going to have to do ahead of time. Then you have what I call the pretty music out in the upland field or wherever, it, the pretty music where you're both playing the same tune and it's beautiful. There's no yelling, screaming, shocking, mad people. But that comes from making sure they have all the context in the world for what they're going to do and can handle any weird new thing that comes along. All right, so that's today's. It, I just That's a real important one. When I get new dogs in all the time, I'm just reminded over and over again. You know, how when people do a lot of good preparatory work, golly, the dog is just sailing. And when they haven't, because the trainer will do it, which is fine, that's what I do for a living, um, it's harder on that dog. You know, it's harder for me, but I'm paid to do it. But it doesn't have to always be very hard on those little guys unless you're just suddenly having rules and demands and they never knew anything about it before. That's, that's not very nice to a dog. So I, uh, I hope that's useful to some of you. I hope, again, everybody is staying warm out of the floods, the high winds. I'm soon, soon it will be blizzards uh, that are coming and uh, stay healthy and happy. And I will be back very soon with the next. <laughs>